On one recent Ghost Hunter show, the lead psychic asked the haunting entity, are you a deceased human, a deity, a demon, an angel, an extraterrestrial, an interdimensional wow. or residual energy, an elemental or something else? Well, at least they covered all the bases and the spirit saying, wait a minute, I'm trying to haunt you and you're making me do a <laughs> yeah. survey. Welcome to another episode of God and the Paranormal, a podcast exploring high strangeness from a biblical worldview. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Suzanne, and I'm here with John. So we have a shorter episode today, yet nonetheless interesting, I think. We've mentioned it before. Suzanne and I actually do have day jobs. I know <laughs> we sound like full-time, polished, professional podcasters, but we're teachers by day, podcasters by weekend. Does that make you a social influencer then? That does sound more important, doesn't it? <laughs> I have trouble influencing my cat, though. <laughs> anyway, all of that to say, we are compilers of data. That's kind of what teaching is for the most part. And then you organize the data and hopefully get across the relevant parts to the students. I don't think we've ever clarified we're not ghost hunters or UFO chasers. And I think that I would honestly run if I saw a Bigfoot. Uh, no question, I would run away. And that's not to say we don't casually look at some phenomena. Suzanne, you've traveled, I know, to see several strange lights. Yes. I do some tree break measurements for alleged Bigfoots and the occasional swamp gas experiment. Right. But we mostly study a lot of anecdotal evidence and try to get reliable information with experiencers. Um, so it sounds more like we're doing journalism. I, I really don't consider myself a journalist. We both listen to a lot of podcasts on paranormal subjects. We read articles. We listen to people. And obviously, not everything you find on podcasts and the Internet is necessarily true. But I think you can still approach it just like any empirical data gathering. You try to vet the sources as much as possible. Uh, the more data, the better, obviously. It gives you a chance to pick out general truths or trends that are more likely to be closer to true, at least. Right. And we've said many times we try to filter it all through a biblical worldview. And, and that was my original interest in the paranormal. I provide workshops on worldview training, and I could see how invasive paranormal ideas were in worldviews of many people. And in some cases, they actually dominated their worldview in kind of a negative way. And it's amazing how quickly paranormal thinking evolves. With social media and the Internet, there is the means to reach a lot of people, even cross-culturally, mm -hmm. yeah. and to introduce new ideas at the speed of a mouse click. And of course, we want to take advantage of that same strategy. One of the objectives of this podcast is for us to do the work of kind of monitoring the pulse of paranormal beliefs out there and hold those ideas up to biblical scrutiny. Right. And listeners, you're certainly invited to help with this. We like to get your feedback and ideas about topics we discuss. You definitely help us keep up with trends and changes in the way people are perceiving paranormal phenomena. In fact, we did an episode on ghosts earlier this year, and since then, I've noticed a change in what a lot of ghost hunter shows and paranorms are discussing. Okay. Oh, and by the way, when we use the term paranorms, 
we're talking about ghost hunters, psychics, and paranormal believers in general. And it's not like the paranorms are coming up with any new ideas. But, you know, it seems one paranormal show or podcast mentions something, and then the others kind of feel obliged to bring it into their work. I've noticed that. Yeah, copycat ghost stories. Mm -hmm. But that's just the nature of modern social media. As you just said, ideas spread exponentially sometimes. Yeah. So quickly, it's often hard to keep up with them, and they become mm -hmm. like echoes of themselves. Yeah, right. And what we're trying to do is keep listeners current so they can discern and think scripturally about trending beliefs when it's pertinent. Okay, so what's trending right now in the ghost hunter world? Well, historically, the presumption of most ghost hunters was that ghosts were some sort of restless spirit of deceased people. Yeah, who had trouble passing over or something like that. Yeah, maybe something like purgatory. It seems the new normal now, though, is not to automatically assume every supernatural entity is a ghost of a dead human. Oh, that's interesting. So, like, we need to be more open-minded or something about mm -hmm. what the entity identifies as? Yeah, politically correct. Like, or something like that. Okay. On one recent Ghost Hunter show, the lead psychic asked the haunting entity alleged to be present, please identify yourself. Are you a deceased human, a deity, a demon, an angel, an extraterrestrial, an interdimensional wow. or residual energy, an elemental or something else? Well, at least they covered all the bases. And the spirit saying, wait a minute, I'm trying to haunt you and you're making me do a <laughs> yeah. survey. Yeah. And the something else box, I think, was a nice touch, too. <laughs> So how was the entity supposed to respond? By writing on a mirror or something? Well, in this situation, the researchers had an EVP box, electronic voice phenomena. I think we discussed that on the ghost episode. Yeah, that kind of staticky radio that every once in a while sounds like it says a word or a phrase. Yeah, and supposedly easy for some alleged spirit to manipulate. They can cause the electronics to spit out a particular word or a phrase. How did this entity identify itself? Well, on this documentary, the EVP rolled out a lot of static that the researcher claimed was the word elemental. Is that what it sounded like to you? <laughs> well, it certainly could be that pareidolia thing. When you expect to hear something and the psychic immediately says, oh, I heard it, elemental. You sort of think that you heard it too, I think. An elemental spirit, though, is an old idea, isn't it? What is it? Earth, wind, fire, and uh -huh. air? Yeah, really old with lots of variations on it. Some early pagans believed God made intelligent spirits to rule over the four alleged elements. One of those Christian pagans Gnostics combinations. Yeah, I found this on one article. It says fire was ruled over by a thing called a salamander spirit. Water was ruled over by nymphs. Earth was ruled over by gnomes. And air was ruled by sylphs. S-Y-L-P-H. Here's a poem by Alexander Pope that explains elemental spirits. The sprites of fiery termagants in flame mount up and take a salamander's name. Soft yielding minds to water glide away and sip with nymphs their elemental tea. The graver prude sinks downward to a gnome in search of mischief still on earth to roam. The light coquettes in sylphs aloft repair and sport and flutter in the fields of air. That's from 1712. Oh, very poetic. So according to Cutting Edge Ghostbusters, if a haunting entity is an elemental, 
an, an impish, possibly helpful spirit, we should deal with it differently than we would a demon or an angry ghost. And I've noticed that when the paranorms talk about demons and angels, it's not the biblical demons and angels. No, they may be loosely based on biblical entities, but it's more the dualistic Hollywood idea without having what they would consider the baggage of a biblical creator God or a, a savior Jesus. So none of this fits the biblical worldview and the real supernatural as we believe the Ephesians hypothesis defines. And that's a very important point. For new listeners, the Ephesians hypothesis is sort of the underlying premise for this podcast, God and the Paranormal. Yes, we discussed that in episode four, but it's worth reviewing. The Ephesians hypothesis is based on Ephesians 6.12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And here are the facts laid out by the Ephesians hypothesis. One, there is an unseen realm beyond the one in which we live. Two, spirits from that unseen realm can interact with our world. Three, our primary struggle is with fallen spirits from this unseen realm. Four, fallen spirits are evil, scheming, and set on opposing God and keeping us from the truth. And five, we can and should be prepared to recognize and withstand these fallen spirits. Yeah. And this passage and many others in the Bible make it very clear there is only one supernatural or paranormal reality, the one described in God's word, the one God created and the one in which he's in complete control. And there is no other supernatural reality. So despite the pop culture Hollywood view, there aren't separate realities outside of God's dominion, not one for ghosts, not one for fairies and elves and one for Bigfoot and ETs. Yeah, and I think that's what the... Ephesians hypothesis says it may seem like there are different ones, which is very confusing, but in reality, there's only one real supernatural, and it has to fit into that biblical supernatural. So if a situation indicates the supernatural, it will necessarily be the biblical supernatural. Uh, that's the only supernatural reality there is. The biblical worldview allows for entities loyal to and obedient to the creator God of the Bible and the rebellious fallen entities who oppose God and his children. Yeah. And the presumption is that an alleged paranormal entity is very likely an emissary of Satan, yeah. an unclean spirit, demon, fallen angel, whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it, with the goal of deception. Yeah. The loyal beings could manifest themselves, although that's not their typical role today. And they would never, ever be mysterious, confusing, impishly misleading, anything right. like this. Because 1 Corinthians 14.33 assures us, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And I think that goes on for his agents as well. Yeah. So back to this particular show with the EVP sounds, yeah. it could be audio pareidolia. But also, as we explained in episode five, it wouldn't be impossible for an unclean spirit to kind of nudge that little EVP box or manifest an apparition or anything like that, especially with someone begging them to do so and just hanging on for some response. Right. And in either case, the result would be the same. Someone is pulled even deeper into the deception. Yeah. And if this is on the Ghost Hunter show, the audience is pulled in with them. Do you think the deception is more effective when we have more choices in defining the entity? Oh, yeah. I think that's one of the best ideas Satan has come up with. Okay. The more complicated the perception of the scenario, the better. Mm -hmm. Currently, 
Paranorms give us all kinds of possibilities. Is this a friendly entity, an angel sent to help us? Is it neutral? Is it something maybe we should try to appease and make friends with it? Is it Uncle Buddy who just wants to come down and talk to you about something? <laughs> so lots of new plots for more paranormal shows coming up. And the more complicated the explanations, the more Satan can manipulate the scenarios. The Bible says Satan is the author of confusion. Anything to draw attention away from the central fact in Ephesians 6, that we are in a spiritual battle with Satan and his followers. Hmm. The message from all the bells and whistles and the assorted entities on Ghost Hunter shows is that, oh, it's all too complicated to just pray and put on spiritual armor, scripture teaches. We need some new modern scientific approach. We need professional psychics, ghostbusters. We need to reason with the haunting entities, help them cross over or whatever. When the effective way for dealing with the supernatural is to know the truth and apply the truths found in God's word, deception is battled with truth. And not necessarily in a simplistic way, but definitely more simple than the going pop culture belief is. You also mentioned residuals. What are those? That idea has been around, too. It seems to be showing up more on ghost hunter shows nowadays. It's the idea that some life energy sort of hangs around after death, or it's recorded at a certain place like a movie is recorded on film. Oh, I've heard on several ghost shows how quartz and limestone can act like a computer yeah. hard drive and store events. Is that even possible? Well, on ghost shows, it seems to be. <laughs> uh, science certainly hasn't discovered anything like that yet. But psychics would think of this as just an impersonal force, not an intelligent entity like a demon or ghost, right? Right. For example, some paranorms would say that when someone sees an apparition walking across a room, it's just the residual energy projection of a former human in maybe the last moments of life. And it has to be a traumatic last few moments to generate enough spiritual energy to record the event. And to put it on auto loop, I would guess. So it just plays over yeah. and over again. Yeah. It's used to explain non-communicating phenomena such as uh, when people see a civil war battle taking mm -hmm. on or a train wreck with lots of traumatic spiritual energy released. Sometimes I think I see residuals of exams that need grading piling up on my desk. I think I see some right now. They generate <laughs> a lot of traumatic energy. Well, okay, so then when someone claims to be seeing a repeating apparition, ghost hunters wouldn't try to communicate with that type of encounter? Now, there's some disagreement among paranorms. Some believe there may be some type of being or a human spirit that's trapped in a loop in some way. I mean, this is getting a little sci-fi, huh? We don't have any biblical oh, yeah. reference to something like no. this, right? And some psychics make it their job to try and release the spirits. So that they can go into the light. <laughs> yeah, it does make a good storyline, doesn't it? Um, okay. But as we said, if the biblical narrative of the supernatural is true, the Ephesians hypothesis, a lot of time and resources are being spent on a phenomenon that is leading people around and along that will likely pull them deeper into demonic deceptions. Do you think believers should be proactive in confronting these deceptions? Well, for those listeners who are believers and not presently directly affected by alleged hauntings, I would suggest just staying as far away as possible. Yeah, Keep your family away from situations like that. Don't immerse yourself in shows that push these ideas. And I'm not talking censoring, but 
just know that what you see and hear does stick with you and especially your children. Mm-hmm. And if you are currently involved with a paranormal, even on a mild level, uh, get into God's word. Inform mm-hmm. yourself with what the Bible says about the real supernatural realm. Listen to some of our previous podcasts, maybe, on how to deal with the demonic. Put on put on your spiritual armor. Pray for discernment. Test the spirits. Don't take paranormal phenomena at face value. If you have friends or relatives who dabble in paranormal phenomena, be available to help them. Pray for them. Let scripture lead them to truth. Definitely connect them with our resources or other Christian apologetic resources. So we've given a brief overview of these latest paranormal beliefs. Obviously, this is a deeper topic, but we have lots of material on our webpage for those wanting to dive deeper. You can check out thinkingaboutthebible.com. And if you prefer print resources like I do, we have um, two books written by Dr. McWilliams that might help. The Ephesians Hypothesis. It explains a lot of what we discussed today. And also the book, God and the Paranormal, which is an expanded version of the Ephesians Hypothesis. And you can find both of those on the website, thinkingaboutthebible.com or on Amazon. Thanks for joining us today. Please hit the subscribe button and tell others about our podcast. Goodbye. Goodbye.